Good morning, everyone. So good to be back with you live. And oh, what a day we are going to have with this teaching. We are going to add some some different broadcast, additional broadcast, I should say, to the Whisper of Satan. And probably at least then there will be 10, maybe 12. We'll just see how it goes. But first, I want to say Happy Mother's Day to all those dedicated mothers out there. And I just want to dedicate this day to those faithful, loyal, champion mothers. My daughter, one of them, said to me, Dad, do you think you could tell that story about the wildebeest and her, her cult? He, she said, I never did forget that. It was such a neat story. And I said, you know what? Yeah, that's a beautiful Mother's Day story. So I'm going to tell you that story. It's not a long one, but it's an interesting one. And it's a, it's a true story. It's about this wildebeest in Africa this is the, they are huge herds of animals that seem to be something between a, a cow and maybe an antelope or something of that nature. And uh, they're, um, they're, you know, animals that uh, move in gigantic herds. Well, this is about this mother uh, wildebeest and I'll call it her child cult. They were uh, separated out by a uh, large um, group of African wild dogs. Now, wild dogs are not like the type of dog pet that you have. These dogs uh, have super stamina and endurance. And uh, they're... Um, in some ways, like the hyena, uh, they can just chase an animal, uh, like a deer or like these wildebeest, until they are so exhausted they cannot go any further. But they will still have endurance, and they will then be able to set upon that totally exhausted animal, the wildebeest or whatever animal is it is that they are pursuing, and then... Uh, destroy it and eat it. Um, so they are awesome creatures, awesome predators. And uh, the story goes that this is an actual case in which a, a mother, a, a wildebeest, and her colt got uh, separated by the herd by the tactics of these um, wild dogs of Africa. <clears throat> And the big, strong daddy bucks with their huge antlers, uh, they fled for their lives. And so she was left alone with just herself and her, her precious child colt uh, to defend against this big, uh, n large group of these African wild dogs. And they, they work in, uh, in teamwork, you know. Uh, one or two will attack from one side while other dogs are trying to come in and, and steal the, the, the child colt. And so it's not uh, a simple kind of defense. Well, 
this type of thing of defending her child cult uh, was determined by her mother. She would not forsake her child cult. And she was so embodied with love for that cult that it, she just began to have the, the stanima uh, that, that uh, she needed because she refused to give up. So she fought off these, uh, these wild dog attacks from all directions by spinning around and, and, uh, and meeting every attack with her lord head and her lady antlers uh, and, uh, and then uh, challenging uh, and, and using the, her, also her rear hoofs uh, to be smashing out. And um, this just went on and on and on. And um, uh, the stamina of the dogs, these wild dogs, was incredible. But the, the wild beast uh, mother, uh, they thought, would soon become exhausted and no longer able to protect her child colt. Uh, but not this mother. She would never give up or give in to weariness because her love for that child cult was non-comparable to, to, to any idea of giving up. So finally, and I, I actually saw this on a video, the wild dogs, with all their stamina and endurance, became so exhausted, all they could do was, was lay down and pant and finally every wild dog was in that condition and the mother and her colt child walked away safe from any harm that is a real mother that is a gift from God type of mother and I commend and appreciate that there are such human mothers out there that protect their children in that same way May God bless them this Mother's Day time and be with them and give them all of the blessings they need to have the endurance they need to go on and on in life. Okay, so we are back to talking about the whispers of Satan. Now, the Whispers of Satan, um, we use the 29th chapter of, of Revelations, or pardon me, of Isaiah. And um, it, it is quite uh, the interesting teaching, and you're going to find it to be extremely interesting today. I don't know how much of this that I can get through, uh, but we're going to do the best that we can. Because uh, it's, it's just an exciting word and an exciting time. So it starts off in the 29th chapter of Isaiah. And it talks about woe to Ariel. To Ariel. It's interesting that the name is mentioned twice. Because the name Ariel actually means um, lion of God or lion of the gods. And 
there is imposed here two different situations. One is that this aerial location was the site of King David's uh, city. And, and so it was just considered by many of the, of the uh, Israelite to be a sacred place. Well, wouldn't you know that the forces of darkness would want to be there and they would want to have their say? And they were there because although you had the spirit of the lion of the tribe of Judah there, you also had the spirit of the lion of the gods there because you have the two aerials and we'll see that that is true that uh, the very uh, contextual aspect of that chapter uh, absolutely shows that to be true, uh, that telephone. Um. And so anyway, we want to uh, take that into consideration so that uh, we, can, uh, we can bring this into the, um, the level of, uh, of knowledge that is going to just set you free. There will be, of course, by necessity, a few things that I have shared with you before that I'll have to reiterate upon a bit just to get connected to the whole theme of this today's message. But here we have these two lions uh, that are at odds in this scenario. And then something very tantalizing and strange uh, is come forth where it speaks about um, in the fourth verse of the 29th chapter. Uh, For thou shalt be brought down and shall speak out of the ground, and thy speech shall be low out of the dust, and thy voice shall be as one that hath a familiar spirit out of the ground, and thy speech shall whisper out of the dust. Now, this gives us what we call for our title, the whisper of Satan. And this thing about out of the ground should not be taken lightly because if you think about it and you go back into Genesis, uh, the tree of life, the tree of good and evil knowledge, both grew out of the ground. And, and the creations of the animals and plants and so forth are shown to have been created out of the ground. So this speaking into the ground in this uh, particular kind of whisper of Satan is not to be taken lightly or inadvertently because there is deep relevant meaning as we will see when we begin to get into this message of this day. So now we have this whisper of Satan, this powerful capability uh, to, to, as a familiar spirit, be able to transfer uh, these emotions, uh, these sediments of thought, these connections of one being to another entity. And the aspect of this uh, is something that when it is happening to them is almost like a charming uh, a charming uh, of their minds. And uh, it is not uh, uh, just a, a casual experience, but it is, it is deep. Uh, it, it, it causes the listener 
to become fascinated. Um, uh, we, it, it causes, um, you know, a spell to come upon them. Uh, in the whispers of, of Satan, uh, Isaiah 29 that I'm reading, uh, there is a, a Hebrew Strong's Concordance uh, explanation of that in um, uh, this um, uh, number uh, of the Hebrew Dictionary, 2266, 2266. And it describes the fascination, the charm, and, and, uh, and you know, the, the power of the, of the league that it creates and the familiar spirit aspect being a part of that as you uh, connect to all of the associated, associated uh, dictionary information. And so it is utterly a powerful thing, this whisper of Satan. We are going, we are going to show you today some inside information that um, will open your minds on a broader uh, channel and to a more perspective range as we keep opening up this, this book of the Word of God. Now, we're going, to, um, we're going to look at some of these terms that you find. You, you find um, terms about um, an impassable interval called the, 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 the gulf, the G-U-L-F, which is described uh, in, in, in the Bible, in the New Testament, and um, <clears throat> we'll see how much time we have to get into all of that. Uh, and we're going to talk about this this uh, impassable interval and uh, called the, the gulf and how the, that uh, has such a connection to also another term called the pit. And we discovered that, um, that in this, uh, the reading of, um, of Isaiah, we're going to, uh, we're going to, uh, to uh, if you would with me, Turn back uh, in your in your book if you were in Isaiah. Go back to Isaiah 14, Isaiah chapter 14, because we're going to do a little bit of reading from the Bible here today, and it is uh, going to be very interesting to you. Now, just preceding 14 in chapter 13 and verses 21, it talks about at the end of that that. Uh, uh, scripture there about when the wild beast of the uh, of the desert shall lie, uh, you know, uh, there in this certain particular uh, place in uh, Arabia, and uh, how that the um, and now at the end of the, that verse, the owls shall dwell there, and the satyrs, s a t y r s, shall dance there. That. Is another word for um, for um, uh, the wild goat and the wild goat goat being a symbol of Satan. Then, with that setting being in place, we skip to chapter fourteen to verse four, and verse four begins this way: That thou shalt take up this proverb against the king of Babylon. And say, how has the oppressor ceased, the golden city ceased? 
The Lord hath broken the staff of the wicked and the scepter of the rulers. He who smote the people in wrath with a continuous stroke or continual stroke, he that ruled the nations in anger is persecuted and none hindereth. The whole earth is at rest and quiet. They break forth into singing. Yea, the fir trees rejoice at thee, and the cedars of Lebanon, saying, Since thou art laid, laid down, no filler is come up against us. Now, as we get into this next part, we see that there is a, a transmission of thought that parallels from the king of Babylon, as described in the first verse, to in the twelfth verse that we will get to, that it talks about Lucifer. Now, Lucifer's name also means the bright one or the morning star. <clears throat> it is the same title that is used for Jesus Christ, the bright and morning star. Now, there is a, a fallen and sad teaching that's going on out there in the the broadcast world in which they are teaching that because both the name of Lucifer and the name of Jesus Christ, um, you know, is connected to this um, morning star, that they are one and the same per uh, persons. But that is totally uh, a disruptive and interference thought to the Word of God. <clears throat> so what needs to be understood is that what the real situation is, is a story revealed by the Holy Manifest. And the Holy Manifest reveals this story, how that uh, it tells us in the book uh, of, between I Isaiah and the book of, of Ezekiel, how that there was this cherub, and this cherub was obviously a very high angel and considered to be one of the greatest angels of beauty that existed in the universe. And this beauty wasn't just how this angel looked and compared, but it had a lot to do with its creative ability. And, and so uh, we'll be getting into that story, probably not today, uh, it'll probably uh, be in one of the next two teachings, uh, because it'll be a very important uh, teaching about uh, the birds and their creation and so forth. But we have this aspect then that is important to to create a a question mark in in the in the mind how that the the king of babylon uh you know is connected to this this um oh, this lucifer now we have to remember that the bible when it is revealed by the spirit of god is very different than how humans think it is not in the same sequential order that humans think. Um, we have here both things that are revealed that have to do with the past, that have to do with the present, and that have to do with the future. That is why in the book of Revelations, that theme is mentioned so often, that which was, that which is, and that which is to be. And so in addition to that, we also have the the name characterizations, uh, which uh, have very important uh, personifications, because in the 
the spirit world of the angels, uh, there is this thing called co-uning. Uh, and this happens with especially like the, 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 hier- the hierarchy of the angels, like the principalities are the, are the archangels, in which they can uh, take and bring a spirit into their uh, spirit a hold and and not have two different spaces, but those two spirits occupy the exact same spirit and the exact same mind, and and sometimes that can be a number of them. So so when angels understand that and and look at that in the consequences of their reality, their dimension is uh, much more versatile, much more expanded. Their range is much more in an incredible sense than a human who is basically uh, very mentally, uh, psychologically limited to a one-track way of thinking and living. In order to get into the, the consequential aspects of the deep reality, we have to know these things of the past. And we have to live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Because every word that comes from the mouth of God is a part of that part, which is a part of the jigsaw puzzle of the mysteries of God. And as we are able to fit these puzzles together, every single piece of that of that puzzle, when placed uh, in, in the setting, uh, then adds... Uh, more virtuous understanding, more uh, in involvement uh, in, uh, in developing uh, the deep aspect of that word in as many different levels uh, of, for instance, the 30-fold, the 60-fold, the 100-fold. So here, let's go on. It's, uh, let's continue reading, um, you know, in uh, uh, verse 7. The whole earth is is at rest and quiet. They break forth into singing. Yea, the fir trees rejoice at thee, and the cedars of Lebanon saying, Since thou art laid down, no feller is come up against us. Hell from beneath is moved to meet thee at thy coming. It stirreth up the dead for thee. Even all the chief ones of the earth, it has raised up from their thrones all the kings of the nations. Now, Do not misunderstand the potency, the dynamics of that statement that I have just read. There is an entity that is coming to this place called hell. They're shocked that that could be happening. They don't understand how that could be happening because this entity called Lucifer, who later begins to be known by the title Satan, is so incredibly all-powerful, all so, so talented, so intelligent, uh, so capable of, in uh, his creative uh, uh, referendums of, of, of presentations that it just seems an impossibility and that's why in the, the New Testament, especially in Revelations, it challenged who, who would be able to come to war against such a, a creation as the dragon. The dragon was another name uh, for Lucifer, 
And that came to be because there was a constellation, we call it, uh, called the, the Drago. And, and uh, he took his name from that constellation because he moved the, the uh, angels, the Ophanim, from the father's house without permission to the constellation of Drago by convincing them it would be a better location. And so he got the name Dragon, an additional name. Uh, in the world of inheritance, uh, even at the father's house, uh, when people buy their, um, their attributes uh, during uh, missionary uh, uh, journeys and, and, uh, and their, uh, their job to, to uh, save and, and bring uh, creation into a connection with God, uh, when they do these exploits, uh, sometimes they earn an additional name. So, so uh, such uh, creative in- entities can sometimes have several different names, and every one of those names has an application to a particular personification and the nature of that personification, and then, in fact, adds a tremendous merit to that individual. And that is part of the inheritance uh, that uh, then, in the first domain, connects to the spirit soul. Now, we're not talking the body soul, which is just the, the human anatomy, but we're talking the spirit soul, which is an eternal thing, whereas the body anatomy is, especially in these times, considered to be uh, temporary. Now, we had to take a note that it says in verse 4, take up this proverb against the king of Babylon. When we go back into the Bible, And we want to make a discovery of this thing about the king of Babylon. There's only one person that that will will bring us back to. And it's the person who created Babylon. And uh, and it's uh, it's a very, very important, uh, you know, understanding and, and revelation. And we're going to, uh, you know, touch on that because uh, with, without that knowledge, uh, you are definitely missing a lot. And uh, so we have to realize then that this person that is talking about is called Nimrod. And the Bible tells us in Genesis that Nimrod was the creator of Babel. And Babel is the, is the name that Babylon comes from. It's definitely connected to Babylon. And the Bible says that was the beginning of the kingdom of Nimrod. It was the beginning of the kingdom of Nimrod is Babylon. So Babylon, um, the true king of Babel, of Babylon, is Nimrod. And so we are talking about this famous, incredible individual of the Bible who, in the 10th chapter of Genesis and the 8th verse, it is said, Cush begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. 
He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, specifically talking about Yahweh, or Yaviel, as we put it in the manifest. Wherefore it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord, and the beginning of his kingdom, verse 10, chapter 10 of Genesis, the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. And then it goes on and it lists other creations. Now, if you've listened to my teachings, you'll know how that uh, Astaroth, the mother, and then later almost the wife of Nimrod were worshippers of the sun. And um, the, the liter literal sun, S-U-N. And uh, they uh, disagreed with Noah and, and uh, they disagreed with God uh, for this destruction that came upon the earth. And, uh, and so um, they got into this worship of the, of the sun god, which even back at that time was a symbol of Lucifer. Now, it is so interesting to understand some things about Nimrod because Nimrod is the same person who became Judas. And Judas was called the son of perdition. And that title goes all of the way back to Nimrod. And it's interesting of that word Nimrod, R-O-D, because that word rod is an incredibly important word in the Bible. And in the past, I have done uh, a large number of teachings on that. One day in the future, I will do a teaching on the rod ministry and how that that rod is <clears throat> such a powerful thing. It was used by Moses as a divining rod. And in, and in Numbers, uh, they find this, this uh, water uh, 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 in the desert and, and are shown by the divining rod where to go and to dig and, and then a, a, a well uh, springs up. So it's, it's quite a powerful thing. It also has to do uh, like with, with Egypt uh, and, and uh, Moses and Aaron and how that Aaron's rod budded and uh, then he, and by that exclamation, uh, he was chosen over all of the other elders of Israel because every elder, uh, there was an elder for every tribe that was representing their tribe. And, and this, their law, uh, rod was laid out uh, before uh, uh, this place that it was going to be tested. And the rod of of uh, of Aaron was chosen by, because it budded. So there is a rod ministry that is very profound. His very name, speaking of 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 this incredible person that became Judas, is not something minor to be taken. Uh, Nimrod was a powerful and mighty hunter before the Lord. Yahweh, Yahweh. 
So in the book of Psalms when it says, my familiar friend has kicked up his heels against me. And it predicts this separation that is going to come. There was a time. There was a time when there was a, a connection between Yaviel and Nimrod. And he was called a familiar friend. But later we see that that familiar friend becomes, uh, as Judas, becomes a traitor to, uh, to Jesus Christ, who is the, the incarnation of Yaviel in the flesh. And the word became flesh, first chapter of the book of the Gospel of John. Now, as we begin to see these things, something incredible happens. And it is described in Luke, and it is described in Matthew. <clears throat> Matthew has two parts to it. I'll give you the scriptures later. It tells about how that, <clears throat> that there is a conversation that goes on between the devil and Judas. Now, I do not teach that that devil at this point is, is Lucifer Satan. I teach that that is one of the very uh, strong, powerful Ko'un cherubims who is representing one of the seven heads of the beast in the 13th chapter of Revelations. And this devil is preparing these thoughts. Now we know that God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. And you can be sure that that is true with Lucifer and his devils that have such high um, um, hierarchy uh, in the past, that their thoughts are not like, like ours at all. So here's what we have to think and what we have to understand. This is so important. That the Bible teaches in Matthew and in Luke that first in Matthew, the devil begins to talk to Judas about the idea of betraying Jesus Christ. Then it says, also in Matthew, something incredible happens, and it names the word Satan, that Satan enters Lucifer. Doesn't just influence Lucifer, or, uh, pardon me, that saint, I'm sorry, let me go back. That Satan enters, um, Satan enters Judas. You'll see why I mentioned and called him Lucifer, but I'll explain that. So Satan enters Ju uh, uh, Judas. That is said both in Matthew and said in Luke. Now that is possession. So, so Satan possesses Judas before he goes to the temple to find those that would be interested in paying money for his revelation of where they could find and arrest Jesus Christ in the garden. Now, it's very clear that as soon as he, as Judas is possessed by Satan, that he immediately goes out and makes this connection to betray Jesus Christ. And this happens during his possession. Now, 
the Bible tells us in the Old Testament that this powerful principle or principality, this powerful archangel uh, God, Lucifer, is going to one day take a body. Well, Lucifer is very much against taking the human body because he doesn't want anything that is going to subject him to be limited of his range of thinking, which is something very close to not possible in the human being. Uh, there can only be certain things brought about to allow that kind of event to happen. So now we've got Satan possessed and moving Ju uh, Judas's thoughts and actions to betray his friend, his Savior, his Lord, Jesus Christ. We take a break here in just a little bit, and we'll uh, allow you to think on these things that I have said, because I want to get into some very, very interesting aspects. And these interesting aspects will excite you. Janet Lee at the Baldwin Organ.
Thank you, thank you, Janet Lee. I never get tired of hearing your wonderful spirit playing of the Baldwin organ. Okay, let us go on. <clears throat> now let me step backwards just a moment here to talk about the deep. Deep, D-E-E-P. Here are some scriptures, and I'll explain to you why you need to hear this. The deep uttered his voice. Now the deep has a voice because it represents a personification not just of something that has happened in nature, but of something that has happened even of a greater extent than nature. So it says, Deep has uttered his voice and lifted up his hands on high. Habakkuk 3.10 The Lord is king above all gods. In the Lord's hand are the deep places of the earth. Psalms 95 Verses 3 through 4. Job 12.22. Ancient wisdom. That's in Job 12.12. And in Job uh, 12.22. Ancient wisdom discovereth deep things out of darkness. And bringeth out to light the shadow of death. Now we need to understand that it is God's will for this deep to be understood. And we're going to see about this deepness and all of its meaning and how utterly important that that is. And this importance is not like those who teach. Don't try to figure out the unknown. Don't try to figure out the mysteries of God. We'll understand it better by and by. Let me tell you this. If you don't understand and get to know some of these things, you may not make it to the by and by that those people are talking about. So I think it's very important to understand there is a deep that is uttering its voice and we are supposed to understand that message. There are deep places and it is entangled with the idea of the Lord who is king above all gods. And it goes back as I read, to ancient wisdom. And this ancient wisdom was made to be used to discover the deep things out of darkness and to bring out the light and the meaning of those things so that we can understand the meaning of the shadow of death. So very important. Okay, now, the scriptures about Nimrod Genesis 10, verse 8 through 10. Talks about the beginning of the kingdom of Babel. The Bible talks about a strange thing, a strange thing in Revelations 13, 2 through 4. It talks about this beast with the seven heads, but one of the heads was wounded to death. Now we're going to show you by this meaning the importance because we find out as as we keep reading this thing about this wounded head that was wounded to death so that it's like in a state of death but that it it comes to life again. And this in fact is the resurrection of Satan. 
because Lucifer enters the body of Judas, possesses it, and begins to operate his will out of the body and the mind of, of, um, of Judas. And so Lucifer, Satan, possesses Judas and begins to operate his body and his mind so that he is controlling Judas. Judas is a willing partner to this because he's been convinced by his meetings with devils that the outcome of Lucifer is going to be different than what Yaviel is teaching. And he's convinced he's correct and he wants to be part of the winner team. Now, Judas is called the son of perdition in the book of Revelations. It's interesting that we'll read about this king, this king of the bottomless pit. And we'll read how that this king had a name called Abaddon in Hebrew and Apollyon in Greek. If you study these names, like Apollyon, uh, uh, Abaddon in Revelations 9-11, when you look up the meaning of it, means to wander away, to lose oneself, to be undone. Lord of destruction. Lord of destruction and the son of perdition are the same thing. So now we have a description that is given in the name Abaddon and in the Greek name uh, Apollyon, uh, you know, we, we see meanings like separation, departure, cessation, reversal. To go out, to turn. This is the exact description of Judas who, as Nimrod, being an Ophanam angel, has decided to do and what he did. He has made a separation from the Ophanims and from Yaviel. He has created a cessation of that, that kinship connection. And he made a departure, a total reversal. And it, it says in Numbers uh, 575 from, from 576 to go out, to turn. So then, as I read you early, earlier, in 9-11, and I think it's number 8 of 6, to wander away, to lose oneself, to be undone. This is talking about his, his break from being an ophanim, to wander away from, th from that call, to wander away into Lucifer Satan's camp and to join them and to be undone with the past and become the Lord of destruction, even also the king, as we will find that in Revelations the king of the bottomless pit.
So now, in that state of what some people call the fallen death, we are going to discover some scenarios in this bottomless pit connection that it's totally different from how it is being taught today. And, you know, we're, we're opening the utterances of the voice of the deep. We're delving into that ancient wisdom that discovered deep things out of darkness and brings it out or manifests it about the shadow of death. Exactly what is the whole truth about the shadow of death? What is the whole history about the shadow of death? What is the realization about the resurrection of Satan? Well, it's exciting. And it's all about the whisper of Satan and his power to create spells, to fascinate, to charm, and to engage by familiar spirit and make a league out of the connection with those that he enjoins himself to. Now, let's get into something here that is so important. Let's understand that the scripture that tells us that Satan enters Judas can be found in Luke 22, verses 3 through 6. Also in John, and I think before I said Matthew, uh, let me make that correction. It is not in Matthew. It is in uh, the book of St. John, chapter 13, verse 2 and verse 27. Very important. And we read about the wounded head as dead in Revelations 13, 3 through 4. Now, let's get this. And I'm going slow so that you can put it together. We have the connection of the king of Babylon still being called the head of Babylon in Isaiah. And that as the head of Babylon, he then becomes involved so that he's almost called Lucifer. Well, how is that? Because Lucifer is controlling his body as Judas. So there is a question asked in the book of Isaiah, how, H-O-W, how art, art thou, how art thou fallen, Lucifer? And this is a question. And people have no idea about the descent of Lucifer. They haven't got it right. They haven't got his death in the flesh right. Because they don't know the whole story. And they don't understand the wisdom of this satanic creation. And how that we have to dig into the deep things of God in order to have the power of knowledge to be able to understand exactly how powerful 
that this force of darkness is. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. So, as we begin to think about this head that's wounded to death, spoken of in Revelation 13, we begin to realize that it is the dragon that gives the power, the energy, the being to these seven heads, to this beast, and to this one particular one whose head is dead, but now he lives. Now, that being the resurrection of, of Lucifer, he comes out of Judas. And when he comes out of Judas, after the crucifixion has been done, Judas, suddenly having his own mind back, realizes what he has been party to. And while he believes what he believes about not totally being in on the concept that Jesus teaches and going all the way back to Nimrod and not believing in the destruction of the earth as it was done. And that's because even then, Judas did not understand the full story of why the destruction was done the way it was. Because most people focus only on the destruction that was done above on the surface of the earth. But there was an incredible destruction that was done in the deep of the earth. And we're going to talk about that. Because that was very, as just as important, probably more, more important than the destruction that was done on the surface of the earth by the flood. Judas didn't understand all of that just right away at that time. And he suddenly realizes that he has, he has betrayed a person that was a friend, even though he doesn't agree with him, and that the outcome has been the consequences of terrible suffering. And he then goes and commits suicide. Now, in the meanwhile, Lucifer is freed. Satan um, is free. But Judas, the son of perdition, then is sent into the pit. But because, and as we will see later, that the pit, the bottomless pit, is in control by Satan, by Lucifer Satan. And the Bible says that is his prison. He is totally in charge of it. Now, I'll read you those scriptures. That's his prison. He's in charge of that pit. He makes the son of perdition to be the king of the bottomless pit. Now, in Isaiah, it asks the question, how is Lucifer fallen? Well, not like most people think. Not like people think at all. People don't understand when it talks about the fall of Lucifer because Lucifer did not fall like that at all. 
The Bible actually says, when you actually look up the meaning of the words, that Lucifer flew, F-L-E-W, flew down from heaven and alighted upon the earth. That's That's what the scripture teaches. That's what the Bible teaches. And I know he's far out. But that is how incredible and advanced and how powerful that Lucifer Satan is because he has not been to the white throne judgment. Therefore, he has not been he has not been judged as being guilty of any of the things that he has done. That is still futuristically off yet to, yet to be accomplished. So he can still motivate as long as he doesn't uh, break angelic codes, he can still motivate and, and do his, his, his thing, which he describes as preparation for the court case, his court case, of the white throne judgment. Now, can you imagine that Satan flies down. He's obviously flying in a Zith type of machine called Zams. And he flies down and he lands on Earth. He, in the meanwhile, has Judas set up as the son of perdition, as the king of this bottomless pit situation. Now, in the 14th chapter of Isaiah... And the ninth verse, it says hell. And that word is a very versatile word because it fits into the pit, it fits into the deep, it fits into space, it fits into imprison or prison, to dungeon. It fits into all kinds of things. Hell from beneath. Beneath. An important word. We need to discover that the, that the world of the future is going to be so expanded beneath the surface of the earth. Right now, there are hundreds and hundreds, thousands of miles of underground cities and underground living places and military facilities that are beneath the surface of the earth. And I'm going to give you a, a brief description later in, the, in my teaching, as long as I have the time to get to it, to show you where some of those places are. How art thou fallen? We'll come to that, but let's go back to verse 9. Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. Lucifer Satan, who has the keys to the bottomless pit, who is described as that whole bottomless pit being his, his prison, He's in charge of it, and he has put 
Judas, the son of petition, as king over all of the living dead. And they are directed by Judas, the son of perdition, which means son, the lord of destruction, to greet Lucifer, who is coming for a period of time called a thousand years, which means a generation, to this bottomless pit, which he turns into on one side a military manufacturing machine of clones and on the other side as a kind of mental paradise. And that's all Bible. Because when Jesus was on the cross and there were two thieves and one of them that repented He said, today you will be with me in paradise. And this paradise was upper Hades, which is still a description of hell. And in 1 Peter, it tells how that Jesus went there to preach to the spirits who were sometimes disobedient during the times of 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 the Noah flood, of the ark. And we see the reality then. It's in the Bible. You just have to take a look. You just have to open your heart and your mind. And you can't be, you know, uh, into the illustrations that are just being done by the pulpiteers and the media. You've got to open your mind to the thoughts of God and to the deep word of God. Because I read you the scriptures. God wants us to know. He wants us to know these deep things. So they're having a party. They're stirring up the dead. Some of them are deeply in slumber. And they're being awakened and stirred up. Even all the chief ones of the earth that have died and have gone to this great gulf of separation are being raised up from their thrones, all the kings of the nations that end up there are being awakened. And at first there is a question. They want to know, you know, art thou become weak as we? Art thou become like unto us? Thy pomp is brought down to the grave and the noise of thy vows, vials, Uh, The worm is spread upon thee, and the worms cover thee. But how art thou fallen? How could you fall? Well, when you really look up this thing about become weak, it really also means to be wounded. And that ties this thing with Judas, who was wounded in the head unto death. So, who they are really referring to here is the event in which Satan comes down in the spirit of Judas, whose head was wounded, but then he lived, and he is being met. Now, in this case, we have the the situation in which 
the mighty hunter Nimrod <clears throat> is able to, by telepathy, send messages and stir up the dead at the same time that he is literally in spirit descending as he is almost in a Kohun state with Lucifer Satan. So when they're directing this at Lucifer Satan, they're really directing it at the per- personification that has been of, of, of this Nimrod who has been possessed and taken over as Judas. And so it is really the coming of Judas, but because he's possessed by Lucifer, it's also called Lucifer or Satan. But they realize there's something different here. So the scripture is putting it, how art thou fallen? How, how can this be? Well, after he comes down into this pit, in the personification of Judas, who is now to be chosen to be king and become Abaddon, they get to see how that he then resurrects from that state. Because even though he left the body of Judas after the resurrection, all of the the imprint of Lucifer, Satan, was still in the body of Judas and had affected the spirit of Judas. And though, though Judas could break free at times and get his own mind, he still was under that debris, that debris of, of the satanic power of Lucifer, Satan. And this is where it's so easy to miss how that there can be two or three things being done at the same time in the interval multi-dimension world of the angels, which is quite different from the one-dimensional mentality of the humans. And very few people have been able to answer how art thou fallen, O Lucifer. But remember, O Lucifer is actually in the fourth verse of the 14th chapter who the scripture is saying, thou shalt take up this proverb against the king of Babylon. So this whole thing is actually a proverb of the king of Babylon and the king of Babylon is the one who started Babylon and first called it Babel, who was this incredible revelation of Kimrod. So, Nimrod, rather. So it is so important in this revelation of Nimrod as he has become, uh, as he has become Judas, the familiar friend that kicked up his heels, and how that when it's saying here in the 12th verse, Lucifer, how are you fallen? It is already taken into the corporation 
that this at the same time is, as it says, is the king of Babylon. But it's all coming out in this entwinement of this proverb of Babylon. And so you have to look at this word and when it says, how art thou fallen, O Lucifer, you have to also say, how art thou fallen, O king of Babylon? Because the whole thing is full of questions, you know. You know, the, you know, he that smote the people with a continuous, continuous stroke that ruled the nations is, is persecuted. The whole earth is at rest. They break forth in the cedar into singing. Yea, the fir trees rejoice at thee, and the cedars of Lebanon say, Since thou art laid down, no feller has come up against us. Now his laid down then is connected to hell from beneath is moved. So we have a, someone just being laid down, but at the same time affecting that hell from beneath is moved. And this is this transition of being able to be represented in more than one place at one time. This is this incubation of a new kind of mind that can live in both the past, the present, and the future at the same time. So whatever is happening presently is also happening instantly in these other times. And that's why you have the enfoldment of the revelation in Daniel and Revelations, book of Revelations, of that which was, which is, and is to come, the time, times, and a half time. Wow, I know that's pretty heavy. Now, we've got a lot that goes on. And to really understand this whole thing, we have to understand that the earth has been here for millions and millions of years. And there's been other uh, nations and people and, and, and types of humans that have lived on this planet prior to Adam. So now we're going to turn to a very powerful scripture. Turn with me to Acts 17.26. And let me read to you from Acts 17.26 because it is quite the revelation when you do the forensic interpretation on it. Okay? Acts 17.26 Now, prepare your mind. Loosen yourself up. Get ready to hear this scripture, I'm going to read it, and and then get ready to think, like you well think, how could I have possibly read that scripture so many times and not not caught on to it before? How could that have happened? Here's what it says. God has made all nations of humankind to become one blood. 
Now we know in the Bible's description, it talks about the first man being made. We know in one description of, I believe it's uh, Jacob's wife, that she talks about two different nations being born in her. One was Esau and the other, other of course, um, was, 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 was Jacob. And um, let's get the history correct here. <laughs> we know that in this revelation of the mother of Joseph and Esau, let's put it that way, that this terminology of one person representing a nation could have an actuality. We also know that the Bible says that Levi, though not yet born, paid tithes in his father. So we realize that um, that this person that was not yet born was still represented in the loins of, of Levi, his father. So there's this, this world of that which was and is and is to come that is sometimes even though it is not manifested or so sometimes even though it is not yet even a fetus or yet not yet been born, it still has a living reality presence. As we begin to see that and understand that just based on, on the incredible aspect of, of the Bible, we begin to see then in this scripture here God has made all nations of humankind to become one blood. That has to mean that not all nations were of one blood. Because you you only become something different if you were something else. Otherwise, there's no becoming. And this thing of making all nations of humankind to become one blood that they might dwell over the whole habitat of the earth. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but you've got the scripture, you can look it up. That this has something to do with the bounds of habitation which were appointed of God from long, long ago. So that the, there was a plan that these souls that were to be born were destined souls because they were the spirits of the fallen angels. And this then <clears throat> was the plan for the purpose of the earth at this time. <clears throat> it wasn't a plan for Satan, who on the fifth day of creation took over and began to make all his implants. 
So now we begin to see the incredibility of this whole story. We begin to see that millions of years going back in time, millions of years that there have been things happening. And just to get the history on this broadcast straight, I meant to say Esau and Jacob, not, not Esau and Joseph. So we straighten that out there. My thoughts are running ahead of me so far <laughs> that my regular historical or history knowledge is uh, bumpered around a little bit. But as we begin now to take this note and see this scripture, this scripture becomes a testimony. And it tells us that God had a plan and that plan did not include there being humans that were anti to God, but loyal to Lucifer, Satan. And that the plan was a plan of redemption, not a plan of bringing forth new creations who would worship Lucifer, Satan, instead of God, as was the mode and intention of Lucifer, Satan. And so as we begin to put this into its fullest perspective, it is absolutely a jarring, near-shocking reality. We're beginning to see that Satan's plans are utterly incredible. We're beginning to see this revelation, as I started to tell you on the morning star, that when the cherub angel was assigned as a covering angel over the Ophanims, while Yavio and 144,000 were out in creation, that he took the office of Yavio, which was the morning star uh, chief office, and was assigned that name. When he was dumped from that position, it wasn't official as far as the, the finality of the White Throne Judgment. So he maintained that he still had that name and still had that position. Speaking of Lucifer, Satan. And so he has and is using the title of Jesus Christ trying to accentuate his title, diminish the title of Jesus Christ so that as it says in the Old Testament, he could become the head over all these stars. Now, <clears throat> we know that there are several kinds of um, There are several kinds of bioengineering that was done by Lucifer Satan. Next week, I want to get into a 
tremendous revelation on that that goes back to the the wormwood, which is even talked about in the Old Testament, and how that that connects with the idea in the New Testament about the continuing aspect of that kind of interference in the genetics of humans, which the Bible says was done by devils. I'm just barely getting started here in this teaching. And I have pages and pages and pages to talk about the interval of space, the impassable interval called the, the gulf. To talk about the real application of that. To talk about what the prison of the spirits really was. And how that the interior of the earth is also called the belly. And that there was a whole lot more to it when the Bible says to the serpent, upon the, the belly shalt thou, thou go. And what the really meaning of that was. And Jonah who in the book of Jonah 2.1 talks about crying from out of the belly of hell. And Jesus, who said in John 7.38, that out of our belly shall flow rivers of living waters. And how that connects to this incredible thing of the underground world. The USA is said to have over 120 underground bases in America. You're talking about deep military bases called DUMBS, DUMS. I'll explain that next time around. These major military bases are found in Cambodia, Russia, China, Germany, Japan. They're all over the world. They are major. They're, they are continuously building these underground cities right now. In the United States, there are three states that meet underground. In a underground living quarters of the military that is thousands of miles. <coughs> Excuse me. I want to continue with all that and a whole lot more. And I guess I doubt we'll be able to even finish this in three more sessions. We'll just take whatever it takes. And I will deepen into these things I've said today. Try to clarify. May God bless you and keep you. Cause his face to shine on you and give you peace and rest of the mind and understanding of these scriptures. Until then, God bless you, Janet Lee at the Oregon.